0: Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. And by the way, today is Pentecost Sunday. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to touch you with a fresh anointing. And this week, you will even sense that new wind of the spirit moving Upon your life. Praise God. And I believe you're going to get some answers today because today I want to talk about questions and answers with God. Praise the Lord. But before we jump into that, let's first receive the tithes and offerings today. And as you know, it is Pentecost Sunday. And let's obey the Bible. Deuteronomy 16, verse 16 Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. Now we know the place is Jerusalem at the feast of unleavened bread at the feast of weeks and at the feast of tabernacles. So my friends, we have Passover Pentecost and tabernacles. Those are the three commanded feast and the Jewish people would go up every year, three times to Jerusalem, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty handed. So my friends, God's not asking you to give everything, but neither is he asking you to bring nothing. You know, when I was young growing up in church, uh, you know, I picked up a lot of religious cliches and uh, every Sunday morning when the offerings were received, there would be like a deacon or an elder who would pray over the giving, and this is how the giving would go. Lord, bless those who gave, and Lord, bless those who didn't give, bless them also. (laughs) But you know what? My friends, if you don't give God anything to work with, God can't bless zero praise the Lord. So it says, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty handed. So God's not asking for everything, but he is asking that you would do something. And thus we have the following verse, verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord, your God, which he has given you, you may be in a time right now of great prosperity and uh, you, you have, you're in great overflow. And so you could do something special, but you may be in a place right now where there's a test and you have very, very little, and you know, all you have to do is give according as you are able. Now there are times for sacrificial giving but that's something where the Holy Spirit moves upon your heart. But here is one thing that is for sure. On these three commanded feasts, we are not to come before the Lord with nothing, we are not to come before the Lord empty handed. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm bringing my tithe, but the tithe already belongs to the Lord. So the Lord uh, receives the tithe. That's 10% of our income, 10% of our increase. We give that to the Lord, but let's also give an offering. Let's not come empty handed. Praise God. And as you do that, I really do believe you'll see the overflow in your life. I want, I want to share another scripture with you from the gospel of Luke, because this is something that happened to me, uh, actually just a few hours ago and I want to tell you about it. But first let me set the stage because uh I sowed something a few days ago and I reaped it actually just a few hours ago. Now this is Luke chapter six, verse thirty eight. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over it will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured Back to you. So when you give, you want to do it with a joyful heart and give out of the blessing that God has empowered you to be. You know, it was a few days ago and my wife and I were walking through a very uh, packed out, very busy Christian conference. And there's a lot of ministers there, a lot of people there, and uh, a few famous people that were there. Uh, And it was interesting because my wife and I stopped to talk to one lady, I'm not going to tell her name, but this lady, if I were to mention her name, uh, it's, a, it's a well-known name here in America. Anybody in the church or out of the church would recognize this person's name and who they are. They would recognize the person's face. And this lady was sitting down in a chair and Kelly and I went over and said hello to her. And uh, we're talking just for a little bit. Uh, I'm talking, when I say a little bit, I'm only talking like about a minute, maybe a minute and a half. And Kelly mentioned that I'm an author and that I write books. And she said something uh, special that caught that lady's attention because the lady said, well, I've written some books too, and I'm wanting to write another book. And my wife said something by the Holy Spirit uh, that was a reflection on my ministry. And that lady said, oh, that I need you uh, Pastor Stephen the pray for me because I believe if you will pray for me, then something will happen in this area that where she had a need and uh, I prayed for her and uh, her need was that she was supposed to write a book. She's already written other books, but she had actually signed a contract to get a book out and she basically said, I I can't write the book. And I'm under contract, and I can't write the book. <laughs> now, here's the thing. She's written all kinds of other books. And, you know, they've done really well, mainly because of her, her fame and her notoriety. People are going to buy the books. But this book, she just couldn't write it. And my wife had said something that caught her her attention, uh, because of an anointing that God had put on my life. And I, I've experienced before. And she said that there's just a block. I can't write it. So, you know, there's an anointing upon my life to break writer's block. And she said, please pray for me. And I did. And I just reached over and touched her head very gently with my hand and the anointing of God. I could, I could just sense it flow right through me. It came from the Lord went right through me because all I am is a vessel that he pours through and God's power went right through my hand and touched her head. And she looked at us. She looked at me and Pastor Kelly and said, she said, something just snapped. It felt like a band around my head. It just snapped. I said, yes, the writer, the writer's block is gone. And she was a little like puzzled. I said, you've written other books You know that you never had a writer's block on any of those, but this book is different because this book will be prophetic in nature. And that's why the enemy has tried to hold back your ability to flow to write this book, but it was broken just like that. Praise the Lord. Now, just before I came uh, before the, uh, you know, the camera to see you just a few hours ago, actually, I was in study and wasn't expecting this at all. But while I was in study, I had my notepad open and my pen, and I was writing down notes, and suddenly God downloaded me every single chapter on the next book that I'm to write. <laughs> and I've been so busy, I haven't really had a chance to like, uh, you know, like the manuscript. It's not that there's a writer's block. It's just that I've got the manuscript, and I've been so busy, this and that that I haven't been able to apply myself the way I've wanted to. But I tell you what, God touched me. The anointing came on me and I was writing so fast, just trying to keep up with the Holy Spirit as he was giving me chapter outlines and giving me things that I need to put in the various chapters. And I was ecstatic. I was thrilled. And uh, just, you know, now all I've got to do is go out and put the meat on the bone, so to speak. That's always the easy part. But to get that from the Lord, uh, my friends that's sowing and what and reaping. I sowed into the life of someone that I didn't even really know, but that had a need. And God's grace was all my life to meet that need. The anointing was there and she received from God. And so I go on just thinking, well, Lord, I'm, I'm just a vessel. You know, I, sow, I get freely. I've received freely. I give praise the Lord. And who would have thought that just within a couple of days, I'm talking like three days, <laughs> Here comes the harvest already at a moment. And I sit down, write all the things out. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. My friends, I'm telling you that when you give today on Pentecost, and even if you're watching this like on a, like Monday or Tuesday or something like that, go ahead and sow your Pentecost offering because you need to honor the Lord during these three commanded feasts. We're going to keep the spirit of the feast. We know all of the feasts point to Jesus, and unveil the character, the nature, the lordship, and the godship of the Son of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But we want to honor the Lord on this day, okay? And I believe, I believe that the seed that you sow, along with your tithe, but I believe that the seed that you sow, God's going to give you a really quick harvest. Hallelujah. I really believe that. Praise God. All right. Now, For those of you that prefer to mail in your tithe than your Pentecost offering, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, PO Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. Now, if you want to bring your Pentecost offering and your tithe in online, you can do so at the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, and go to the top of the website. There's a header, and it says, Give Online. You can click that. And it brings you to a little drop down menu called F U N D fund. Click that. You'll see the area for the tithe. And then you'll see another area that says offering. And you can click that and bring in your Pentecost offering right there. Woo. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. God's working right now. Give as you are able. That's all you have to do. God's not asking you to drain your bank account unless he would ask you to do something like that. But things like that are very, very rare. And those are very sacrificial things we do at special times. But uh, again, the three commended feasts, you give as you are able. There's no pressure. Just relax and give according uh, to how God has blessed you. Amen. Father, I pray for your people as they're honoring you with the tithe and as they're sowing seed. I pray, Father, that over their finances that you bring their, their harvest quickly And I thank you, Father God, that your people are a walking seed bank. They're not only sowing uh, money as seed, but they're sowing love as seed. They're sowing forgiveness. They're, They're operating the gifts of the Spirit, sowing prophecy, sowing the anointing that you've given to them. They're going about helping others. And I thank you, Father, for harvest coming back to them from all angles. Every day, something beautiful, something of a harvest coming into their life. Now, Father, we thank you for this. Let there be no more delay. And we thank you for your spirit touching that offering, that offering right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, whenever you have the ability to do good and it's in your power to do so, go ahead and do that. Amen. If you can cover that, go ahead and do that. If you could bless that, go ahead and do that. If you could help that person, go ahead and do that. Amen. God is making you like the Good Samaritan, always able to respond when that specific need that the Holy Spirit targets arises in your life. Praise God. Now, let's take our Bibles and go over to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, and I want to talk about having your very own question and answer sessions with God. You need these from time to time. You need them at least once a year, but you're probably fine because of the complexity of life and maybe, uh, things thrust upon you that would be, as we would say, over our heads, you need to make sure that you know how to get these answers, uh, to these perplexing questions. Woo. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And even as I'm thinking right now, I stood before a man one time, and uh, he he came in the prayer line, and I was ministering, and as i ministering in the prayer line, he came and stood before me, and I I just ministered to him prophetically, and I said, um, the Lord shows me that you have some perplexing situations in life, and he answered back with a very like um like nasty response. He said, I'm not perplexed about anything. <laughs> And I looked over his wife and she rolled her eyes like he's so perplexed. He doesn't know what to do. (laughs) And I tried to minister a very kind, sweet word to him that God would give him answers and show him the right way to go. And it's like he, it's like if I had written it on paper and handed it to him, he would have like crumbled it up and threw it away. That seemed to be like what he did to the prophecy. He just rejected it and was very arrogant. And within two years, his life ended very prematurely very much unnecessarily but um he was just he would just hurt people all the time he was very hard he was like a hard driven business type person and god had some things for him in the ministry but he could thought he thought he could do ministry uh with like a hardball approach and uh anytime uh you're like that uh it's not going to work faith operates by the mechanism of divine love and if we don't do things in love, no matter how great our faith is, then it's not pleasing to the Lord. Not only that, the bottom line is that if your, your faith won't work without love. It's uh, the hinge pin that's holding it all together. Okay? Now, having said that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Pentecost Sunday. And as we jump into your word today, I thank you, Father God, that even questions that need to be answered but might even be of a perplexing nature, maybe even mysterious questions in a way, but yet it pertains to the destiny of your people. They need to know. I thank you, Father, that answers are going to come. I thank you, Father, as we talk about Q&A strategies. I thank you that your people will implement these, and they will certainly hear your divine response, because you will talk to them. You will answer them. Now, Father, we thank you. And we give you all of the praise that you are not a God of wood or stone that can't talk. But, oh, God, you have a mouth. You are a spirit. And you speak to your people. We thank you in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen. Praise God. Luke chapter 22. And uh, let's drop down this morning to verse 39. Verse 39. Coming out he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed and his disciples also followed him there. Now the Mount of Olives, of course is uh, right across from the, um, you know, the temple Mount area of Jerusalem. It's separated by the Kidron Valley that runs in between and that flows all the way to the dead sea, but there on the Mount of Olives would be the place actually like on a day, like today, the feast of Pentecost, when that area of the Mount of of Olives became known by the locals as the Little Galilee. Because what would happen is that during these three great feasts, Jews would come from all over Israel, and even from other neighboring nations. And they would come to Jerusalem. And many, of course, would come down from the area of Galilee. They would go south to Jerusalem. But what would happen there in Jerusalem is that it didn't take a lot to fill up all of the hotels. And there's only so many places you can stay within the city, and the city was only so big. So many people stayed outside of the city walls, and there on the Mount of Olives, many people from Galilee would come and camp there. And so that whole Mount of Olives would be covered with people that came from the north during the feast, such as today on the feast of Pentecost. So he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. So Jesus went there often. This was a prayer retreat area for him to get out of the city and to go there and have some quiet solitude. Praise the Lord. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. My friends, about 2000 years has passed since Jesus made this statement, and it's still true. You have to understand that prayer will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from prayer. Prayer uh, takes the lure out of the temptation not that you don't notice it, not that the uh, the bait uh, on the hook is not still there, because it is, but you just lose an interest in it. So we need to pray that we may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. Now, there are often times when I pray or I have my time with the Lord, say like early in the morning, when I'll sit in a chair because I know I'm going to be sitting there for quite some time. But there's other times when, when it's not so much, uh, hang out with God time as it is. I need an answer. And when I need an answer, that's more of like on your knees time. Amen. Take a look at this very interesting scripture. And if you haven't experienced what I'm about to show you, I pray that you very soon will Acts chapter 21 Verse five, when we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way and they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city and we knelt down on the shore and prayed. There's something unexplainably beautiful and uh, spiritual when believers kneel and pray together. Perhaps you've never tried it before. Maybe you always pray standing up. Maybe you pray sitting down. But there's, a, uh, there's something about kneeling down, particularly in, in a group of believers, that's very, very pleasing to the Lord. And that's what they did there. If you've never done it before, endeavor to do it in your next prayer meeting. Uh, kneel down before the Lord. And there's something special about it when you do it in public. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, now if we do that out on the public beach, people might see that and might think, well, they might think you serve the living God. What's wrong with that? Mm. You know what? There are those that need to see it. There are those that need to hear it. Praise God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Kneel down. Kneel down, lift up your hands and pray. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 the Apostle Paul said, "For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then he goes into this beautiful prayer that you also can pray. How on your knees? Now it could be that you're not physically able to uh, get on your knees. Maybe it's too comfortable, uh, too, or actually too uncomfortable." Or something like that but if you are able and you you physically can do that can do that that is uh, something in that praying on your knees uh, is a reflection of humility and your need and your reliance upon the Lord nothing wrong with standing up and praying that's good too but there should be times when you get on your knees praise the Lord in prayer now let's jump back to Luke chapter 22 Luke 22 Thank you, Lord Jesus, today. Mm-mm. Verse 42, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus, as a man, knew there really was no other way. But as a man also, he's basically kind of going back and forth with this father in prayer, basically uh are we sure there is no other way we we've covered this. There's no other route <laughs> and he realizes that. So he's coming to terms with that. Uh, he's embracing that the fullness of that realizing that the great agony that he's dealing with is what is going to be the separation of he and his father, his heavenly father. Verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven Strengthening him. I do believe in angels. I do believe in angelic visitations. Glory to God. I believe in angelic manifestations. Not not just so that we could tell somebody, I saw an angel. No, but that we could receive the strength or receive the message that God is sending that helper to us for. Now, verse 44. And being in agony. My friends, I wish that I could tell you that everything in life is wonderful and beautiful. And while I am word of faith, and while I do stand on the word for victory, there are some things in life that you have to really work your way through. Praise God. And uh, you can go through some pretty tough situations, but the, the point of that is that it will cause you to trust and lean on the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So, Let your agony or anything that you might be working through, let it be fuel for your prayer life. Mm -mm. Don't let it cause you to agonize perpetually. If there's something uh, that is very, very troubling to your spirit, by all means, don't take sleeping pills and try to just ignore it. No, get on your knees and begin to pray. Use it as fuel for your prayer life. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Now this is an amazing statement. We know that according to Luke's gospel that this took place, excuse me, in Mark's gospel, uh, Mark explained that this took place in the garden of Gethsemane. Now us uh, on the Israel tour that went just a few weeks ago, we were actually there in the garden of Gethsemane. And yes, there are some olive trees, a couple of them, that probably are right at 2,000 years of age, and they could have been little saplings, perhaps just little trees coming up, on that night when Jesus was there praying. But Gethsemane means olive oil press, so he was actually like the olive in that moment, where the olive—the only way you get the oil out—is you have to run, you have to roll that big millstone over it, and it crushes it. So, Jesus is actually going through that crushing, uh, going through these intense prayers, and of course, it is releasing the oil. And the oil is a type of the Holy Spirit, and it is the Holy Spirit's anointing upon a man or woman that distinguishes their call, that empowers their life, and really enables you to live out the destiny that God has written out about your life before you were even born. Woo. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But notice this and being in agony there in the garden of Gethsemane where the oil press was at, he's now being pressed just like an olive. He's being crushed underneath the burden and the weight of what he's facing his responsibility. We all have different responsibilities. Hmm. Praise the Lord. You know, I drink coffee. Uh, I have one cup of coffee in the morning after I've prayed for an hour, I'll take a short break and I'll go get myself a coffee and then I'll drink and kind of sip on that through my second hour of prayer. But I do need to let you know a little secret. It's not that coffee keeps me awake. It's not that I somehow pray because I drink coffee. No, I pray because I have responsibilities I don't pray because I drink coffee. That's just, that's just something I do that brings a little um, warmth and comfort. Okay. (laughs) I, I don't need it. It's nice to have. It's a blessing, but I pray not because I'm drinking Red Bulls or drinking coffee. I pray because I'm accepting the responsibilities that God has placed upon my life. And I'm reminded of those. And it drives me to do what? It drives me to pray. Praise the Lord. Now, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. There's different levels of prayer that you can go through, it's like a vehicle that has a standard transmission. We actually don't see too many of those. My wife and I got picked up in an Uber the other day and the person driving the Uber vehicle was driving a stick shift and uh, doing a pretty good job, but you don't see uh, those too much. Now er, today everything's automatic, but here's the way it works in prayer. You have what you would call normal prayer. Then you have earnest prayer, but then you have more Earnest prayer, and being in agony, he pre- being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Now, we know that James told us that we need to pray earnestly, and he talked about the prophet Elijah and how Elijah prayed and God answered his prayer, and God's going to answer your prayers too, praise God. But there is there's another level that you can get into if you need to. That is available. There's a gear in your prayer life that maybe you have never shifted into before. And I want you to find that gear by the Holy Spirit. What is that gear called? It's called more earnestly. I mean, he, as we would say, he pushed the pedal all the way down to the metal. Woo. Praise God. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Now I, I will admit this is not your everyday prayer experience. It's not every day that you're praying because you realize within a few hours you're going to be nailed to a cross. No, you're not facing that on a daily basis. And it may not require that uh, on a daily basis and certainly wouldn't. But there will be times in your life when you do need to know when you need to know some things. Praise God. And maybe something has Something has gone unanswered for 20 years, but you know what? God knows the answer. Now there are the secret things that belong to the Lord. Uh, We're not trying to intrude into areas of perhaps somebody else's life. that's, That's their own private business. But within the sphere of your life and within the personal government of your life and your family and things that are under the umbrella of your responsibility and your care, you have every right to know. Praise God. And you serve a God who talks, who answers prayers. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Woo. So he, he was bursting capillaries and blood was oozing out through uh, uh, his pores of his skin. Because he was praying with such intensity. Woo. Praise God. Amen. You know, I, I was at a place one time where I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, in this one area, I need an answer. And I've told this story before, but I want to mention it again. Maybe there's some who haven't heard it. I've had other experiences, but this one to me was uh, very, very special because sometimes you've only got one chance to get it right. And if you try to fix it later, it could cause setbacks. And then you've got to go like all the way back to scratch and stuff like that. So you need to get it right out of the gate. And I was getting real close to the point where I was going to be recording my first session of television programs. And so I needed to get the name of the TV show, uh, established. I needed to get it fixed. I needed to get it trademarked and I needed to get that information knocked out and get also begin to get ready for recordings. And so I went before the Lord and I was praying, Lord, what is the name of my TV show? What is this supposed to be? And I had about three names that were floating around in my head. My wife had, and I had discussed each one. We liked each one and kind of liked one more than the others. Now, that was the one that God chose, but I wasn't sure. And I said, Lord, I've got to get this right. I can't give my television program, which is going to be going on across America and around the world. I can't give it a name and then change it six months later. (laughs) So I said, I've got to get this right. And so I, I was praying and I wasn't getting yet the answer. And something happened. I don't know if if it was an angel strengthening me, but somehow I was able to lean into prayer like in a much stronger way. And I began to get over into a place of prayer where it was very, very intense. It wasn't just earnest. It was more earnestly. And I was in that place. And out of that place, God spoke to me. And he said, take your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 30 verse 3, and I will tell you the name of your television program. Now, I was turning in my Bible, and I'll I'll demonstrate. I was turning in my Bible, and as as I was turning, I was thinking in my head, well, if I'm correct, Exodus 30, that's the chapter about the tabernacle that God instructed Moses to build, and the pieces of furniture that were in the tabernacle. Well, I got to Exodus chapter 30, and when I did, I looked at verse 3, and when I looked at, because that's where he told me I'd find the name of my TV show, and when I looked at verse 3, I read it, and you shall overlay its top, its sides all around, and its horns with pure gold, and when I read that, the word, the two words, pure gold, they lift it up off the pages of my Bible, They hovered above the page of my Bible, just like this hovered in the air. And they, it's like, they turned into like crystal and they began to like, um, become radiant. It's they they started sparkling (laughs) and it said pure gold. And the Lord spoke and said, the name of your television program is pure gold. Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. By the way, that's the altar of incense. Out of all of the pieces of furniture that were in the Holy Tabernacle and the temple, the one that I've actually studied the most on uh, is the altar of incense. Woo, praise the Lord. So uh, God can give you an answer. When you have specific questions and they line up with your destiny and your purpose, God doesn't mind talking to you. Amen. Now, you may need to shift gears And push a little bit harder in prayer. Go after the Lord with a greater tenacity. But I'm telling you, he will absolutely talk to you. And we do see that the Lord Jesus was strengthened by the angels. And he had really pushed himself. There is something about very intense prayer that when it's over, how many of you have ever finished real strong prayer time, and you come out of it and you feel like, You just ran 10 miles. You feel like you swam two miles and you're actually hungry. You actually burn calories. You actually like we're depleting, not just your mental and your spiritual, but even your body is tied into it. That's why when we see that Jacob wrestled with the man, the angelic being, which many believe was a theophany of Jesus himself, he's wrestling with this angelic being and they wrestled all night long. And that's literal. You can only imagine the perspiration, the utter complete exhaustion that Jacob must have been going through. And, uh, that's the, that's because that wrestling represents prayer, real intense prayer. Woo. Praise God. But you know what? He prevailed and got his blessing. You're going to prevail in prayer and you're going to get what you're going to get your answer. mm Thank you. Lord Jesus when you must have an answer, you need to know how to shift gears and the Holy Spirit will help you. Now, this is something that we can all work our way through and especially understand the shifting of the gears, particularly in moments where it could be intense and you must have an answer. Let me give you an example, but first up, let me grab a drink of water. I was thinking about the story of Dr. David Youngie Cho who's now in heaven, but he pastored the largest church in the world there in Seoul, Korea. Well, one day in 1974, he was off at an elders meeting and he got a phone call saying, come home quickly. Your son has been poisoned at school. And so there was some fruit that was fed to the children at school, but a very wicked evil person had poisoned the fruit. And by the time Dr. Cho got there to his son, 30 of the other classmates of his son, they had already died. They're dead. So he gets there and his son is in real bad condition. So Dr. Cho, uh, pastor of the world's largest church began to pray, but please understand whether you're the pastor of the world's largest church, or whether you're a person that maybe, uh, you know, you're like a behind-the-scenes type person, but you are contributing in the way and, and the gift that God has given you, you still, we all shift the gears the same way. So it, it's like a car. And if you have a standard, it doesn't matter if the most famous preacher in the world is shifting it or whoever is shifting it. We all shift the gears the same way. And you shift gears in prayer the same way. Dr. Cho related the story of how he began to pray. And initially as he began praying, because you're caught off guard, even when you pray, it's not like you walk into your day expecting your son to like, you know, die before you. So he's a little bit caught off guard. So he's praying the best he knows how. And he's praying, Lord, he's too young to die. Lord, if anybody's going to die here, let it be me, not him. I, he said, I'm older, and he's, he's just a little child. Let let him live and take my life if you need to. So he's just he's just trying to get centered in his prayer life. He, and you go through these things, and then there's nothing wrong with that. There's no criticism of that. But after he had prayed for an hour, he got a little more stabilized, a little more accurate in his prayers, and he kept praying. Now, after he had prayed for two hours— His son died right in front of him. The doctors pronounced him dead. Dr. Cho watched his son turn completely gray and die. And the body began to uh, lock up and seize up. His little boy was now completely dead. But by this point, the Holy Spirit was now undertaking Dr. Cho's prayer life. And Dr. Cho, he shifted gears. And that's what we have to do sometimes. You pray earnestly, but there's another gear. You pray more earnestly. And he kept on praying for seven more hours. And now I know in the natural that you would have to say, well, we did all we could do. Uh, You know, it's over with. But when the Holy Spirit undertakes and that anointing is there, you keep going because God is with you. And just keep going. And don't pull out of that realm of now more earnest praying. Now, what Dr. Cho didn't know, but what was told to him later, is that when his son died, his body, of course, stayed there. But his spirit and soul went straight up to heaven, and Jesus met him in heaven. And uh, this little boy is standing in heaven. He's saying hi to Jesus and he's talking and there's a big group of people that were there and they were saying, oh, the pastor's son is here. And so there were a lot of people uh, that, you know, because there's a giant church, you have people that die, they, they go to heaven. So there was a lot of people that recognized the little boy as being Dr. Cho's son. And so the little boy said, said to Jesus, well, I want to be with you uh, forever. I, I don't even want to go back. I want to, I just want to stay here with you. And the little boy said that Jesus pulled back like a curtain. And they were able to look down and Jesus uh, pointed down to his daddy down there praying. And the the little boy said that when he was in heaven, Jesus said to him, he said, now you got to stay here. You have to stay here for a little bit because it depends on what your father does. Woo. It depends on what your father does. <laughs> and, he was, and he was down there praying. So what had happened eventually is that Jesus looked at the little boy and said, you have to go back now. And he didn't want to go back. And he said, no, now you have to go back because of your father's prayers. And he revived and came back to life. Praise the Lord. Amen. What happened? He somehow was able by God's grace to shift gears. And when that touches you, you must yield yourself and lean into it with everything you've got. And I'll tell you, you'll get an answer. You'll get an amazing answer from God. Look at this in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse three, call to me. So we, we have the initiative and it's an, it's an instruction for us to do so. Call to me and I will answer you. Well, somebody might say, might say, well, Pastor Stephen, God didn't answer. Well, did you call? Well, yes, I called. Well, did you stay on the line long enough for the Lord to pick up? Not that he's busy. Not that he can't reach the phone. It's just that you have to, you have to shift gears. You have to get that hot line. Woo, hot. Praise God. Call to me and I will answer you and show you. Now, he promises to answer you. He said, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, which you don't know. Wow. I mean, the Lord told Jeremiah some things that were that he needed to know. I mean, the Lord told him, Hey, uh, even your own family members are plotting against you. He was probably like, Oh no. (laughs) I mean, he knew the King was, He knew the government officials were, but there were very few people standing on the Lord's side who were in Jeremiah's corner. So he was being betrayed left and right. And the Lord told him that, (laughs) but as long as you're with the Lord, you're in the majority. Woo. Praise God. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, which you do not know. You know, I remember the, famous television interviewer, Larry King. He had the TV uh, and a syndicated radio show called Larry King Live, and he would interview all kinds of people, famous people and along those lines, every, everybody from religious leaders to politicians, movie stars, uh, musicians, and all of that. Well, at the end of his life, he said, the only person that I have not interviewed who I just would do anything to interview would be Jesus Christ. And he wasn't saying he believed in Jesus. He wasn't saying that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, but he did recognize and acknowledge that he was a living person and that he would be the number one person that he would want to interview. But what Mr. King didn't realize is that he could have. Through a personal relationship with God, through Jesus, you can have conversations with the Lord. And the Lord will answer your questions. Very, very interesting. Let me give you an example. Dr. John G. Lake said that uh, one day he was talking with a very godly woman, and this woman said to him that Jesus, she said that Jesus came to her house, came into her kitchen, and sat down at the coffee table with her and answered every single question that she had about her life that she wanted to know. And Dr. Lake said, he did. She said, yes, he did. He said, well, he said, hold on just a minute. And he took a pen and paper and he wrote out 10 questions, 10 questions that he had all had always wanted to ask God. If he had like a one-on-one type uh, opportunity to do so. And he wrote out all 10 questions on a piece of paper and gave them to that lady and said, next time you see him, give this to him. <laughs> Woo! Wow. Well, much to Dr. Lake's shock and surprise. A couple of weeks later, he's outside, <clears throat> excuse me. He's outside of his house and he sees Uh, Out across the hills, he sees that woman walking over the hills slowly towards his house, and that's her, and she's walking, and she's got something in her hand, and it's that piece of paper. And she gets up uh, close to the house, approaches him, and says, well, I've got your answers. He says, is that so? She says, yes, it is. And she gave him the paper. And Dr. Lake said that when he took the piece of paper and he looked at his first question and read the answer to the first question, he threw his hands up and said, my God, (laughs) he said, there's no way this could be uh, from anybody but the true and living God. And every question was answered by the Lord Jesus himself. Now, Dr. Lake said out of all of the ministers that he ever met, and he was, he was one of the leading ministers of his age. Out of all the ministers and out of all the people that he met, he said she was the most spiritually advanced woman he had ever met in his life. Mm-mm. Praise God. My friends, I'm here standing behind this pulpit on Pentecost Sunday. I'm saying this because the Holy Spirit lives in you and rests upon you. I'm telling you that you can have your own Q&A with God. You can have your own question and answer session with God. Woo, praise God. Think about the possibilities of that. It certainly it certainly is invigorating uh, for a reason to want to pray. Wow, yes. Yes, let us pray for the nation. Let's pray for our state, pray for the governor, pray for pray for me, okay, pray for this, that, okay. Cover your bases and then have fun with God. And then Hang out with God and present specific key questions to Him. Now, questions that are soulish in nature, that have no relevance to your calling, He's not going to answer. You know, I've had people tell me, uh, Pastor Stephen, next time you see Jesus, ask Him what killed off the dinosaurs. Uh, no. I'm not going to ask him that. I, I, I'll find that out when I get to heaven. But that, that doesn't pertain to my destiny. I really have no interest in that. Uh, n- none spiritually. I think it's a fun thing to read about and maybe study. But no, I, I, I don't have any spiritual interest in that at all. Praise the Lord. But I know that there are some questions that I'm sure that you do have a great curiosity about. Now, look at this in Exodus chapter 28. Exodus 28 and verse 29. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart. When he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. Now, the Urim and the Thummim, Urim in Hebrew means light, and the Thummim means perfection. And these were two gemstones that would supply the answer that would be needed, such as a king could come to the high priest. And could say to the high priest, look, we really need to know, are, are we supposed to go to war against this tribe that's threatening us? We need an answer, yes or no. And God would speak to the high priest through those two gemstones and either give an answer of yes or no. And it was Maimonides, the great. Jewish philosopher, known also as Rambam, he lived in the in the 12th century. Or he was really a genius. He was a Torah scholar. He was a doctor. He spoke multiple languages. He was a philosopher. He was like <laughs> it's like what couldn't he do? <laughs> but he was a expert in uh, the oral and the written Torah, and he said that according to the Jewish sages that. God would work the Urim and the Thummim that these two stones that would be connected to the high priest uh, breastplate. They could have even had been on the shoulders of the breastplate. And sometimes you actually see pictures where they're placed even on the shoulder of the priest himself. And they could light up. But this uh, scholar Rambam, he said that what would happen is that those two stones, the Holy Spirit would come and rest on those stones and the answer would be projected before him like in a visionary form and the letters would pop up and he could read what to do. And I really do believe that because I've had that happen to me where God would cause the answer to pop up before me. And sometimes I can just read it off just like something that was written like a scroll for me to read. And there's the answer. So The stones were not just yes, no, uh, you know, because this one stone was like an onyx color and the other stone was like a white color. By the way, it was about a thousand years ago that one of the stones was, uh, according to legend was given to a, a knight in the Knights Templar and he kept it because the stones were put in the hiding, uh, during the, uh. Babylonian conquest of Jerusalem. They were put in the hiding, but the rumor was that the two stones eventually got back out, but God wasn't working by them anymore, but one was given to a, a a knight in the Knights Templar and he kept it for a long long time and passed it down his family lineage and it showed up in the year 2000 and has been examined by some very noted Israeli scholars. And it appears to be one of those stones. You can Google that. It pops up on the news and stuff like that. And there's an, there's an engraving on the inside of that black onyx stone. And the scientists have no explanation of how the graving got put in there because the stone has never been cut open. No cuts have ever been made on it. Yet there is engraving on the inside of it. There's no explanation for it. So they call it a priceless artifact, but We know that the Lord doesn't speak through that method anymore. As a matter of fact, even there at the temple, uh, the Jewish sages say that during the temple destruction of AD 70, when Titus and the Roman army just uh, tore the temple down and things like that, every form of what they would know as uh, authentic Judaism of these types of things that actually worked no longer ever, ever worked again. And that's what Paul said. These things are passing off the scene. And now it's all about your faith and trust in Jesus and the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you and gives you the direction that you need. So let me talk just for a moment about presenting the questions and getting the answers. Let's look just for a moment at Romans chapter 8. Verse 14, because we have something better today than the Urim and Thummim, because we don't have to go to one single person to get an answer. Because what if the person's asleep? Uh, What if he's not available? Uh, What if he's on vacation? So we have the Holy Spirit living in us now. That's why I'm telling you that you potentially can have your very own sit-down Q&A with with the Almighty God who created you, who created the universe, and who knows all. All things. Verse 14: For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So to be led by the Spirit, you have to be a son of God. Verse 16: The Spirit Himself bears witness with our Spirit, not with your toe, not with your elbow. But he bears witness with your spirit. Never forget that you are a spirit. You're going to live for eternity in either one of two places, heaven or hell. And hell will eventually be thrown into the lake of fire. And then that is the final abode of the wicked. So you are a spirit and you have a soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you live in a body. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That we are children of God. What's the most important thing that you need to have answered in your life? That you're saved and your life is right with God. How would you ever know that? By the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. That you have been born again. You have passed from spiritual death in the spiritual life. Nobody talked you into it. Nobody could talk you out of it. This was a spiritual transaction. And you know that you now belong to God and you're on your way to heaven. So if he leads you and answers the most important question of your life, that way through the inner guidance, the inner witness, then also he'll answer and lead you in many, many other ways. But there are some times when Perhaps the decision that you have to make is very weighty and you sense in your heart, Lord, uh, I, I can even sense that this would be the, the direction, but I must know that I know. And it's during times like that, if you will shift gears, you will get a definitive answer where you absolutely No, I'm telling you, you'll come out of your prayer line, your your prayer time, and you will know without any doubt or question that this is exactly what you're supposed to do, or the question that has eluded you for so long with the the appropriate answer, it will be given to you. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you can't get the answer in just one setting. Although, if you can shift gears and you know how to do that and you can get into that, you can but there can be other times when maybe that you need to get an answer that and it's not even for you, but it's for somebody else and you have been given authority to step over into this realm that involves maybe somebody else's life or somebody else's situation, but you've been, you've been authorized to do it. You can go over there and you can get an answer, but it might take a little more time. There was a man, He lived about a hundred years ago. His name was G C Bevington, and he was an expert at getting answers to the most puzzling, unsolvable questions that church leaders couldn't figure out real hard cases that didn't make any sense. Uh, Why did this person leave? What happened over here? What went wrong over there? He was the go-to guy that could get on the hotline with God and get the exact answer, even if, uh, if, if it was way beyond human ability to solve. This was, these are cases that Sherlock Holmes would just give up on, and even if he had a million years, could never solve the case. But Mr. Bevington wrote a book called Remarkable Incidents and Modern Miracles Through Prayer and Faith. By the way, that book is available on the Internet as a free download. If you just type that in on Google, you'll see it's available for sale on Amazon and places like that. But if you keep scrolling down a little bit, you'll find out that there are PDF copies out there that are legally available for your free reading. Again, it's called Remarkable Incidents and Modern Miracles Through Prayer and Faith. And he received incredible prayer answers in the area of healings, uh, incurable diseases and sicknesses being healed through prayer, but also he was really known for solving what would appear to be unsolvable mysteries. One time, a, a denominational leader within a certain jurisdiction of the church, like a regional area, and he had a lot of churches underneath him. He and a few other men came to G.C. Bevington And they said, we have a problem. Something happened in one of these very prestigious churches and nobody knows what happened. And the only people that would know what happened, they've either disappeared and uh, nobody's talking and we've gone cold on every uh, trail. There's, we don't know what happened, but we need to know what took place. And they said, Bevington, you're the man. He said, well, he said, um, I understand that you've heard about my prayer life and how this works between God and I, but here's the thing. He said, when God gives me the answer, um, the answer is what it is. And you have to be prepared to accept that answer. And they said, Oh, Oh, you just go seek the Lord and get the answer. We'll accept whatever God says. And of course, God gave him the answer. And when he told them what the answer was, None of them received it. They said, no, you're a liar. That can't be. It can't be. It can't be. Get it was. Woo. Pastor Stephen, by the way, how did he get the answer? Well, it's what any normal, highly educated, brilliant person would do today. You just do what he did. He walked out into the forest, way out into the deep forest and crawled into an old log, a tree that had fallen down maybe 50 or 70 years ago and been rotted and hollowed out on the inside. He crawled in there and laid there and ate no food, drank no water for 10 days. (laughs) Pastor Steve, I thought I could just sit down for 10 minutes and God would tell me the secrets of the universe. It reminds me of Mr. Carter, uh, the brilliant man that unlocked the secret of the peanut. He went before God one time and said, God, what is the purpose of the universe? And God said, little man, you need to ask a question that's fitting to your level. Woo. He came back a little bit later after he encouraged himself, got all prayed up again. He came back a little bit later, tried to ask a question a little bit lower. God. What is the purpose of man? What did you create man for? And God said, again, you need to ask a little bit lower because you're asking for, you're asking questions to things. The answer is so complex and so beyond you. You can't handle it. Don't even try to go there. (laughs) So he came back and said, Lord, I think I understand what you're saying. So I humble myself and I simply ask you for two things. Would you give me the secret to the peanut and to the sweet potato? And the Lord said, now you're asking for something that's on your level. Now I can work with you. (laughs) And God gave that man over 100 products out of the peanut. And he gave him all these other products out of the sweet potato. And many of these things are still being used today all over the world. I'll give you an example. I was out on a beautiful sports complex one time out on the running track. This was a very high-level track, you know, that like Olympic athletes would train on, and you would host track meets here, and this was a beautiful track. It had been painted and had all the eight lanes, and it was just absolutely beautiful. And uh, I was walking on it, and I thought, wow, this is so comfortable. It's like running on air. I think anybody could run faster if they ran on this track. And it, the track had just been made, and I asked uh, the engineer who was there examining it after everything was done. I said, what is this, what is this track made out of? He said, peanut oil. Can you believe that? People are running around on peanut oil. <laughs> All of these things came out of the scientific understanding that God gave to Mr. Carter. Praise God. But my friends, Mr. Bevington lay in that old wooden log for 10 days and after about three days, begin to get on the trail of the answer. And he stayed on it and he stayed on it. And after day 10, God unlocked the whole crazy thing to him. And it was a crazy story. By the way, you could download it for free. <laughs> I was with the ministry partner, uh, a few months back and we were talking and, um, We were talking about some kind of crazy miracle that we had heard that God did. And he goes, yeah, that sounds like one of those Mr. Bevington miracles. I said, Bevington. I said, did you read the book? He said, well, of course I did, Pastor Stephen. You mentioned it. I said, you read the whole book because it's like that thick. He said, well, of course I did. I said, praise God. (laughs) Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. I'm willing to put these things out there if you're willing to avail yourself to them. Mm -mm. Especially when they are free. Praise the Lord. But my friends, you begin to catch this thing on the inside. Sometimes God can give it to you within an hour, sometimes within 30 minutes. But if you can shift the gears also, again, it can be a little bit tougher, perhaps when it involves somebody else's life, somebody else's problem, somebody else's trauma, somebody else's complexity, and you have to go over there into that. That's why Bevington was a specialist. But look, I believe God has raised up specialists in the body of Christ where uh, secrets that God wants to be brought uh, forth through prophetic decree and through the spirit of revelation, the spirit of understanding, these things are going to begin to happen. Praise the Lord. Cases that need to be solved are going to be solved. Answers that need to be uh, questions that need to have their answers brought forth. They're going to come forth. Praise God. By the way when Mr. Bevington told that ch- that church committee what had actually happened, they were so angry and so mad because what had happened, it actually happened. A very naughty deed took place in the most prestigious church under the leadership and the guidance of the of one of those very famous pastors. And he said, there's no way that happened in my church. And Bevington said, that's exactly where it happened. God showed, the, showed me the whole thing. And they tried to run him out of town. They tried to get him on the next train out, and he refused. Uh, and eventually justice was done and those who had been deeply wounded and hurt were made whole by the power of God's spirit. Very quickly, let's go over the first John, first John chapter five, way back towards the back of the Bible. Amen. Amen. Think about that, that you can sit down with God and he can answer any question that you might have, not just one or two. He can answer 10, 20 praise the Lord. And There's anointings, For these types of encounters. Verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. And it does produce that. It produces a tremendous confidence knowing that God's going to give you the answer. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Again, verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. As you call unto the Lord, God is going to answer you. Woo, praise the Lord. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. It's not yet time for that. And sometimes the answer is, I don't want to talk about that. And trust me, if God doesn't want to talk about something, there's no way you can get him to do it. Praise the Lord. And, and you're, you're like that sometimes too, aren't you? Sometimes you're in a certain uh, mood, and it's not a bad mood. It's just the mood of you. And sometimes maybe you don't feel like talking about something. Why? That, because you just don't want to. Did you know that you're made in the image of God? And sometimes there are certain things God doesn't want to talk about. (laughs) Woo. Praise the Lord. I'm not saying God's moody, but I am saying there's times for whatever reason, maybe He doesn't want to talk about a certain thing. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Here's, here's the amazing other side of the coin. I really haven't had time to cover this today. Sometimes we come before the Lord with questions. Did you know that there are times when the Lord can come to you with questions? Jesus coming to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter's response and the Lord's questions, you really have to kind of read that in an amplified Bible. Or something that pulls out the original Greek or else you can't really understand what's going on there. But basically you see how Jesus is working on Peter because Peter denied Jesus publicly three times and said he would never do it. And he did it three times. And you read, if you read it slowly and pull from the original Greek meaning, you see that three times Jesus is taking that off of him. Taking that word curse off of him. Removing it off of him and reinstating him. And blessing him. Praise God. But I'm saying also the Lord can ask you some questions. I've, I've had him do it to me. I've had him come to me uh, several times in my life and ask me some very, very important questions. Mm-mm. Praise God. So it works both ways. Be aware of that. Hallelujah. Please lift your hands. I want to pray for you today on Pentecost Sunday. Father, I thank you that Your people have questions, and I pray that they will write their questions out. I know that many of those questions are just between you and them. They would not want others to know because they have their own goals, and they have their own dreams, and their own life, and some of those things are personal. But I thank you, Father God, that there will come that time you will come and talk to that person and give them the answers they need. I thank you, Father, that you're very serious about those who are sincere and who are hungry and who draw near to you. I thank you that as they call unto you, as they take the initiative, I thank you that you will answer them and that you'll put the icing on the cake. You'll show them great and mighty things they don't even know, things they they were not even aware of. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you that this is the hour of visitation. This is the hour of every need met. This is the hour where the enemy cannot hide in any area, but is being overthrown in every area of the life of each individual believer. And we thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing. We thank you for your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us very precisely in the path, in the direction that we should go. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Woo. Praise God. By the way, did you know that out of the three names of the TV show that I had, the one that Pastor Kelly and I liked the best was the name pure gold, but I needed it to know for sure. And that's the one that God told me that he endorsed as being from him, the name from him. So there are so many things you can get through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit and you could be on it. You could be right on the target, but when you must absolutely know God will give you the answer. Praise God. Now you may be watching today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and savior today. You need to make your peace with God. You need to get your life right with God. And if you used to be a Christian, but you fell away and you've gotten over into some areas that you know, it's not where you're supposed to be. You need to come back to Jesus and rededicate your life to Him right now. He'll wash your sins away in an instant. He'll receive you back with no hesitation. You need to come back to Him fully right now. Okay? So, let's pray together. If you're making your commitment to the first, your, for the first time to the Lord, or if you're coming back to the Lord, I want you both to pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to You. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Jesus, give me your new life. Write my name in your book of life. And step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. I give you all of the praise. In your name I pray. Amen. Praise God. God's going to be speaking to many of you, I believe, even even this week Praise the Lord. The life of the believer is one of ongoing visitation. It's one of ongoing uh, experience of going into the deeper things with the Lord. There's salvation. There's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But even the baptism in the Holy Spirit is still introductory. That is the very beginning. It's not the end. It's just the beginning of the walk of the Spirit. Praise God. Keep moving with the Lord. He's got more for you. There are great and mighty things that he wants to show to you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I'm sharing this out of really having had an hour of just like visitation download from the Lord. I was writing literally as fast as I could to record and get on paper the things that God wanted me to be aware of. Praise the Lord. May you have many such Encounters, praise the Lord. Let's take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread and grab some grape juice. Praise God. The Lord is helping someone. Somebody you haven't been healed. And you're using your faith, you're you're standing on the scriptures, but yet the healing has not yet come. It's okay to ask God what's going on. There could be something that you don't know. There could be some other blockage. That's why questions are so important so that we can get the answers that are essential for our success. I think there's something built in us uh, into us, even from childhood, where we were made to feel uh, embarrassed or ashamed to ask questions. If you did it in school, If you asked a question because you didn't understand, you were made to feel embarrassed because others acted like they understood, even if they didn't, because everybody would have tried to uh, appear as if they know it all, but nobody does praise God. So it's good to ask questions. Now let's pray over the bread and the juice. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it right now. And we set this apart as being holy And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you that your Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost and we receive his strength to shift gears in prayer. Thank you, Father, for this blessing in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Let's receive together. Well, on our tour to Israel, we went to the upper room there in Jerusalem where the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We had some very beautiful, holy things taking place there in that room that day when we were there. And then after, after that was over, we went outside. What'd you do next? Pastor Stephen? we went up on top of the upper room. It reminds me of a book that prophet Kenneth Hagin wrote years back called tongues beyond the upper room. Well, we actually went beyond the upper room. We went to the, uh, up on the floor above that. <laughs> you go up some stairs. Most people don't know that praise the Lord. It's a great view up there. Glory to God! Again, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, speaking in tongues. This is not the apex. No, this is the initiation into the walk of the Spirit, so that you continue on and go further with God. Mm. Even Paul, the apostle, uh, uh, the apostle Paul said in the book of Hebrews. By this time, many of you should be teachers by now. You're still camping on the basics, and by this time, you should be teaching others, not still having to be taught. Ah, so we move on. We move on with God. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. It's mighty cleansing power. And as we receive his blood, we receive strength and nourishment. We thank you that this is the miracle meal. And I thank you, Father, that everybody that's receiving communion, you will fulfill the number of your days you will fulfill the number of your days. Praise God. Praise God. And all of your children will fulfill the number of their days as well. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive it now. In his name we pray. And we all say amen. Let's drink together. Praise the Lord. Do you ever have moments when you feel talkative? Sure you do. We all have moments like that. We also have moments where we don't feel like feel, feel talkative. Maybe we feel contemplative. Maybe we feel meditative. Maybe we feel uh, an inward focus, and we don't want that interrupted or broken. But other times you just feel talkative. Did you know that there's also times that God, He just whatever reason, uh, because, you know, we, we're made, again, we're made in His image. There's times when God wants to talk. Trust me, when He does, have your questions ready, because He likes to talk. You've got to catch Him at the right time, and keep praying, and move into that. You can, sometimes you can make that time uh, in the now, but it can take some strong prayer, but you can't, but still, just keep hanging out, keep drawing near, and that answer will come, and you will be blessed. Amen. Father, bless your people on this Pentecost Sunday. I thank you for a week of miracles, a week of great answers coming. I thank you, Father, for your grace being fully supplied for your people to draw near to you and seek your face. I thank you, Father God, that they are drawing near. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name, and together we say Amen. God bless you. Have a great week, and I'll see you real soon.